Let's start today with a trivia question. What do Rashad Penny, Damian Harris, and McCole Hartman all have in common? They will all make less guaranteed money in 2023 than the guy right here in my t-shirt, who most recently was employed writing blurbs about Ian Thomas and Rex Burkhead. Follow the money. This is ADP Chasing. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you Tony? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> Pat? Just to be clear, I didn't know that opening was was coming. <laughs> that was news to me. <laughs> I'm just you gotta, you gotta embrace it, Corinne. Like we need like a little bit of a villain arc for you. Like at least one time this summer when you guys are drafting teams and you and Pete are on the clock arguing, you gotta at least one time you gotta whip it out and be like, why don't we let the guy who won two million dollars last year make the pick? You know, because there's gonna be there's gonna be a spot where you guys are disagreeing and you gotta do it to him at least once. There was a comment on chip chasing uh, on Wednesday. Someone said, I don't know what it is, but Pat seems smarter this year. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind that. <laughs> I like the other idea someone threw out of you just doing the total heel turn of, heel turn of just advocating for uh, flatter payout structures in all tournaments this year. I, I like that idea as well. <laughs> I've, str- I've strongly considered that because I do actually think. <laughs> but look, I don't want to have the... From now on, it should be fun, okay? <laughs> From now on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, anyways, it was, it was fun catching up on um, the show from last week. Uh, obviously, Hayden was Hayden was there replacing me. Um, you guys had some really interesting discussion on the, the free agency stuff. Um, was interesting getting his takes. But, yeah, I think we're, we're going to do it again this week. Still a lot of free agency movement. Still some fallout from the guys that were signed last week. Um, But yeah, before we get into the free agency stuff, I wanted to start uh, today's show with talking about Bijan Robinson. Um, I know Pat recently wrote an article on Legendary Upside. Obviously, um, check that out for those of you that subscribe and subscribe if you don't already. Um, But I also did a deep dive into looking at Bijan's potential landing spots and the impact that might have on his ADP. So I'll lay out my argument of sort of how I looked at it first and then want to get your guys take. So the basic thing that I try to do, and I'm adding this to the stream here is I wanted to consider all of his potential landing spots. And to do that, I wanted to filter out the teams that are unlikely to take him. And I came up with essentially six criteria that makes a team unlikely to take Bijan. I'm not arguing that like anyone, any team on this list, like it's impossible. They would take Bijan surely. Like there's still a chance, but I think it was sort of important to come up with a systematic way to, to filter out some teams. So those criteria that would make teams unlikely to select Bijan would be not having a draft pick in round one. I think that's kind of obvious. Everyone's projecting Bijan to go round one. A draft pick in round one, but only in the top five. I just think very unlikely in today's NFL, a team takes Bijan in top five of round one. Um, then a couple related to current money allocated to running back uh, in their current RB rooms. So Teams that either have $8 million guaranteed to a free agent that they gave out in 2023 or teams that would have more than $10 million in dead cap if they cut their current running back. So that filters out a ton of other teams, um, you know, like Derrick Henry on the Titans, uh, Alvin Kamara on the Saints, etc. 
And then the final two criteria related to draft capital in the past couple of years. So teams that drafted and running back in round one of the past two years or teams that spent a top 50 pick on a running back last year. So then again, filters out teams like the Jaguars, Steelers, who took uh, ETN and Najee in the first round two years ago, teams like the Jets and the Seahawks who took Kenneth Walker, uh, Breesaw last year. So that was yeah, my criteria. I don't think yeah, you can ahead. filter out the Seahawks, by the way. I just want, I officially want that. I officially want that on the record. I don't, I don't think that you can say the Seahawks are, uh, especially because the Seahawks could be a trade back team given where they're picking and the fact that they just paid Gino. I think they could be a trade back team. So I, I just want, I want that yeah. on the record. Davis, I think that's fair. And I think you can, you can like nitpick some of these, like the Dallas sure, one. I'm sure, sure, sure people will nitpick, right? But like, I think my point is like, the ones that you're nitpicking are also the terrible landing spots for Bijan, well, right? Like, I would nitpick the for, Titans and the Saints because I think they might just go, hmm, we love running the ball. Let's find a better guy to do it with. And actually, like, that might look terrible. Uh, yeah. That, for like a second, but then you're like, no, I kind of love this. Really, this whole argument that we were having via DM and Discord the other day does come down to Karain and I basically just saying, like, Bijan Gober. Like, whatever team takes him, is just gonna yeah. want to give him the ball he's, because we we just think he's so good. Like like Pat and I just think he's so good that we're like we don't care. Like just take him, get him on a team, and he's gonna just spit out fantasy points. Bijan is the one who knocks. That's that's essentially our <laughs> argument. Yes, yeah. yes. And I get that, and I don't really disagree with that. I guess what I disagree with is like the market perception to some of these landing spots is maybe I think worse than what you guys um, imagine. Sure. Like, sure. Okay. The Saints, they, they could take him. I guess like somehow they find a way to get rid of Kamara, even though I think they would have like 25 million in dead cap if they cut Kamara. The way they get rid of Kamara is he's not playing very much this year because he's going to get suspended. Yeah. Then, yeah. I guess they got to figure that out later. I guess so. But they gave Jamal Williams like 10 million guaranteed. Kamara has a huge cap hit. Like I'm not putting it the past Saints. the Saints to do that, but it, it's, that's an insane, it'd be an insane way. Like, Kind yeah, of an unprecedented fair. way to allocate capital to the running back position <laughs> in the modern. <laughs> but the NFL. Saints are crazy with the cap. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. It. Anyways, like I think I think like my, my just to like round out my argument, and then I want to hear more about like the prospect stuff from you, uh, Pat and, and Davis as well. Is like I think like you map up, map out the likely landing spots. Maybe you want to add in a couple more here. Maybe you want to add in like Dallas, Tennessee, whoever you want to add in here. I think you're going to come out with like the majority of these landing spots being perceived as like negative by the market. Cause I, I think his ADP right now, like bakes in like the idea there's some clean workhorse, good offense landing spot for him. And why that probably is true, especially like this is not a dynasty take. This is purely like a redraft best ball take. I'm, I'm not worried about his landing spot in dynasty like at all, but I think the market will perceive like a slight negative hit based on like the most likely scenarios for his landing spot. So that that's my point. How how you want to like action that? I know Pat, you would argue that that doesn't matter. Like he has a floor. I would argue maybe just wait post draft to get more exposure. Um, but yeah. Anyways, Pat, what, what do you think about Bijan as a prospect? Like why why are you sort of on the other side of this debate? Yeah, I actually included your your tweet um, in my article that I posted this morning on my top three running backs. Bijan obviously number one, and I get your point. I actually agree with your point that like in most outcomes we're probably viewing it as like not a great landing spot. And maybe he falls a little bit in terms of his ADP. I have a different conclusion though, which is that I think he's, 
he is a target at kind of the two, three turn area because look, I mean, if you draft him at pick 14 and he ends up being kind of like worth to you, like, ah, he's really more like worth pick 19. That's not a huge loss. Um, on the other hand, if he goes to the Vikings and they cut Dalvin Cook, he's like the 106 or higher, right? If he goes to yeah, the, maybe the even Chiefs higher. or the Bengals, yeah. We're talking about like huge, huge price increase. And if you think about in terms of like auction dollars, you know, that's a guy jumping up into like potentially like 50 plus dollars, you know, if he goes to one of these great spots from like, you know, maybe 30 or something. It's like, oh no, like he dropped from 30 to 25 not a big deal, but you have this huge upside scenario outcome where you from the early second round, got a guy who's now like a top three, top five, maybe top six type of value. So I think you want to mix him in because the floor is still really high. Even if like the ADP floor is like a little lower than I'm suggesting. Part of it for me is that I think he's such a strong prospect that if the market had him, it was like a two, three turn type of pick because he landed on the Patriots I was like, oh, God, is he going to split time with Ramondre? My take would be, no, he's not. He's going to have this backfield by the time the play, the fantasy playoffs roll around. And he's, you know, he's got a ton of upside. I'd be, I'd be prioritizing him in that range. So that's part of it for me is that I guess I'm going to be higher than market if he's really any further down than like the mid-second. I thought experiment. Joe Mixon gets cut. The Bengals select Bijan Robinson either with pick 28 or they trade up or whatever to get him. So Pirine's gone, Mixon's gone. What is the highest his August 1st underdog ADP could be? What is what is what would Bijan's ADP max out at in a backfield by himself in Cincinnati? I mean, I'd probably take him out of McCaffrey. Yeah. Yeah. And then and obviously, I think, I, mean, I think Jefferson would still go ahead, and like that might be it. So I think I I think I agree with Pat because Chargers if Eckler gets traded and Bijan's there, I think he, you're capturing the same amount of upside. Vikings is weird because um, uh, Hayden schooled us on this last week, but it's like kind of hard for them to get rid of Dalvin Cook's money, and they just yeah. fr- they they what what did they tag Madison or they gave him an extension that's like they actually gave him an like extension. a yeah. That's like kind of more money than you would expect Alexander Madison to be getting, but you know, whatever. Uh, the Bills feels just like it's not going to happen now because they signed Damian Harris and they submit the second round pick on Cook. Like, I, I think the Bills are probably taking a wide receiver there. But the Chiefs could do anything. You know, the Chiefs, the, I, the Chiefs have, have confounded me all offseason. I, I did, I looked this up yesterday. The Chiefs have uh, four players on the roster who are 30 or older. Um, one of them is their long snapper and they have five guys, five guys on the whole roster who make a double digit million salary. So $10 million Hmm. more. It's like they're, they have the, they have this very weird roster. I don't think they would take Bijan, but I also didn't think they were going to take Clyde, you know? So yeah. Does taking Clyde make them more or less likely to take Bijan? Cause we know they'll do it, but obviously it was a disaster. Well, I, so the, the thing would be is you look at their offense and you're like, okay, you've got 34-year-old Travis Kelsey. you got Sky who stinks. you got MVS who stinks. You let Hardman go. Where, 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 like, what, what, it's, you're really going to make Pat do this again, like basically playing with his hand tied behind his back for a whole year? I, I, I think that 
whatever the market odds for the Chiefs to take Bijan, I, I think the reality odds are higher. I'm not saying they'll do it, but I'm saying Brad Feet just sitting on the clock at 31, and it's like Zay Flowers is gone, so he's looking at Josh Downs or Bijan Robinson. I, I could pretty easily see them in that room talking themselves into Bijan over the wide receiver seven. Let's let's get ready to draft Jalen Hyatt way ahead of where we want to. Right. Yes. Exactly. Wide receivers. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Just uh again play devil's advocate here a little bit. Uh, if you look at grinding the mocks, Bijan's expected draft position is like 16 overall, and the consensus big boards have him in like top 10-ish range. So I would say this chart is maybe a little misleading that I think like the Bengals, Chiefs, Vikings, like the cleaner, better landing spots are also. He's, the I don't. Less I don't think he's getting there. Ones. I. Yeah. My my prognostication is I I think if I had to put money on it and maybe I will maybe I'll go look at this while we're doing the show I would say the Falcons and the Commanders are the two teams that feel most likely to not trade out, not get fancy, just be on the clock and just simply select him. I, yeah, I would put the Bucks in there too because, like, even though it's a, du- I think it's a dumb football move. Like, they should be rebuilding, not taking assets at running back. I think like their offseason signal so far, like that they're not going for the rebuild. Like they're re-signing older. Wait, how agents. does it signal that? No, dude, they they cut so many guys. They they've cut like eight starters. They, they also Jack. signed Baker Mayfield. That seems about as clear a sign as there is. <laughs> I, I think I think Le- I think Levis I think Levis is probably who I would say is most likely for them there. If he's I, again assuming because uh, Levis is going to do his pro day. Actually, he's going to start throwing in about forty five minutes, and uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, they, like I actually think Levis could make himself some money yeah. with a pro day. The point on the boxes is sort of around their defensive signings like they re-signed Levante David re-signed Jamel Dean to a huge contract like they're bringing back these veteran defensive players so that was my point there but I see what you guys are saying like I don't know the Bucks just strike me with um you know that organization as a team that would be in the mix for Bijan here but who knows so those those three are interesting though because like to me if he goes to the Falcons he goes to the Commanders he goes to the Bucks I think like immediately he has those backfields and I like Rashad white and I like Tyler Algier. Uh, I'm not a big Brian Robinson guy. You love Tyler I, Algier. I do. I think he's good. Guess what? He's backing up Bijan Robinson. It's not, he's not in the mix. Well, they could always move him way. back to his natural position. It's not even a waste of draft pick. They could move They, you know, he could be, he could be a situational linebacker. <laughs> yeah, he can play like he can yeah. play off ball linebacker. That's a, it's a real value pick there for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's probably going around pick 13, 14 in those spots because he's going to get projected a ton of touches uh, in those backfields, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I still think like those offenses, all those offenses you mentioned are like going to project, except like maybe there's some upside with the Falcons. Like they have some pass catchers. Maybe you could argue that with the commanders that Howell gets better. Bucks. There's definitely some upside with the Falcons. We've seen them be a productive rushing offense, um, even with the offense being terrible. We know they're going to run the ball no matter what. Like the fact that they're bad almost doesn't matter because they'll just run until the game's over. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, and maybe with Ritter, we see a little bit more pass catching value for the running backs versus Mariota. I know pass attempts uh, once they put Ritter instead of Mariota jump by like seven per game. So. That could help uh, the pass catching there for the running back. So, 
Yeah, I, I see that. Um, yeah, I, I guess to put a to put a bow on this discussion, I think like I think Pat's argument is totally reasonable. I understand like if you still think he is a smash the two three turn. Um, if the market eventually values him there, like you're not really losing that much just drafting him now. I think just I'll take like a slightly more conservative approach. I've drafted plenty of Bijan so far. I think at this point I'm just gonna wait post draft and see where his value lands. But um, yeah, fair. he doesn't like. I'm not arguing like, oh, he's gonna drop to the fifth if he lands with one of these teams now. Like, I, I'm totally I, with you there. I will say like, if he goes to the Bears or the Ravens, I, I don't love that. No, Mm-mm. both both of those spots feel bad, quite yeah. quite bad. Yeah, I don't think. Also, I don't think the Chargers with them keeping Eckler is out of the question. Like Eckler's cap hit is pretty pretty small this year, and he's on the last year of his deal. I could see them looking towards the future, and I know even Eckler himself has said like I want them to bring in running backs to take you know touches between the twenties for me. So like I don't think he would, you know, refuse to play or something. But like I that think that scenario. would be okay. Like, because then you start to get more excited about the Chargers offense. Like, I don't think his price would go up, but I don't think you're not getting him at the 301 if he's on the Chargers. Eh. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Tough to say. Anyways, uh, let's jump in into the risers for this week. That was a good um, discussion on Bijan. So again, the largest ADP risers from the past week. Again, we see a lot of the free agency impact at running back really showing its face here. Uh, the largest risers, once again, we have Rashad Penny being the largest riser this week, up 27 spots. Other guys in the list, uh, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Damian Harris, James Robinson, Jeff Wilson, and then a couple wide receivers here. We have Brandon Cooks and, and Adam Thielen. And then finally, Samaje Pirine. So let's start. Let's start with Penny. Um, Davis, curious how far, how much farther up the draft boards you're chasing Penny? He's jumped like almost a hundred ish picks from his original price. Now, uh, when do you start to get hesitant on on Penny? Probably ten more picks. This this feels this kind of feels this kind of feels like the right range for him. Um, it also feels like a good asymmetric bet to be making in these these weird tournaments where i mean it's like who knows if you're gonna have the stacks right who knows you're not gonna you know week 17 matchups like just feels because it it feels like uh no chance penny is exactly the running back 28 you know doesn't it doesn't it feel like one of those things where it's either rashad penny uh is is a healthy scratch behind trey sermon for every week of the season or he's miles sanders from last year god please no (laughs) i mean trey Trey sermon i believe makes more money than rashad penny oh man but i I believe if if we're doing the if we're doing the you know who makes more money than Corain? I, I believe Sermon is on a larger contract than penny because he was a second round pick and penny is a veteran minimum let me let me give some names who got more guaranteed money than Rashad Penny in free agency this year. Um, Donta Foreman, Boston Scott, Justice Hill, Travis Homer, like forty year old. Who did Justice Raheem Hill Mostert. sign with? Uh, the Ravens. He's back oh, on he a just two, resigned. Okay. two year four million. Got one point two five million guaranteed. I don't know why. That's like that's like how that's like how the Patriots just gave eight million dollars to a long snapper. It's all about it's all about like special teams and stuff. It's got to be. Yeah, but 
I don't know, Pat, Pat, what do you think? Like, obviously the, I guess the question is kind of like, when does the downside matter? I think at pick 111, like, I don't care that much if he's a zero. It's not going to hurt me that much unless I had like 100% exposure. But at some point, like, the the floor has to matter, right? Yeah, I, I think, but I don't think we're there yet. And I've I've still been taking him. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to that range, like, you know, in the ninth or 10th or whatever, like, I think he's a pretty good pick. So um, I guess the thing with the floor is like what it, he's so good on early downs that it's hard for me to feel like it's going to be Ronald Jones last year where he's just a healthy scratch all season. I guess that's possible. The contract would point to that as a possibility, but I'm thinking more like, you know, this guy's struggled with injuries his entire career. That's also got to have factored into why he didn't have a team really commit anything to him. His weekly ceiling is really, really high. Um, and so like, I think, look, if you get a zero for most of the year and then you get a Rashad Penny healthy three game stretch in the fantasy playoffs, like that pays for itself. And then some in the ninth or 10th, I don't think you start really like hurting your advance rates until he moves up by like another couple of rounds. Yeah. I think I'm, I have nothing else to add. You, you could totally even view him as like a handcuff, honestly, at this price. Like, let's say they do yeah. take Bijan. Like, Penny could still be a high upside handcuff to to Bijan at that price. Yeah, it, it's a pricey handcuff, but it's not like a crazy price to pay, just given how good the offense is. So, right. I, I agree. Yeah, and, and frankly, the other like I guess you could compare him to other positions. Like the other running backs in this range don't have super high floors either really um the wide receivers are almost like entirely wiped out at this point so the opportunity cost is still at a point where i'm not too too concerned i think like i'm gonna i've been still clicking him like not as aggressively as it was when he was a pick 180 but i've been still clicking him at around this price i think like i'd have to start thinking harder about it at like pick like 85 90 but i think up until that point i'm still like fine with it um yeah Okay, another guy, second biggest riser here, David Montgomery. Uh, huge week for Demont Nation. He's up twenty spots, nineteen percent increase in ADP. How I, I've heard a lot of like the Swift versus versus Montgomery stuff the past couple weeks. Pat, do you have any takes on Montgomery and your sort of overall approach to how you're drafting the Detroit backfield? I, I think Swift has fallen to like the mid sixties. If I remember that right. Um, I can double check that. Yeah, we had, I think it was, yeah, ship chasing. And this was because, you know, no one was drafting any running backs, uh, as usual in that draft and Swift fell to the seventh round. Um, and at that price, I'm very in, I think it's a great bet, but I don't love him in the sixth. I just feel like, you know, they've, they've told us about every way they possibly can, that they're not that into him. And he's probably going to be, you know, kind of a rotational guy. They've also shown us last year that they'll mix in Justin Jackson. They'll they, they would probably play Craig Reynolds a fair amount or whatever. Uh, it doesn't really matter who the guy is. I don't think Swift really has a path to like in any particular game, even a workhorse role. So he's definitely he's an efficiency bet. He's like, you know, he scores two touchdowns. He you know he he takes a a reception to the house. Like he's very live to do that stuff. Uh, but I think you want to keep the price as cheap as, as possible. Um, Montgomery, 
at pick 89 now. I mean, that's you're, probably you're, okay. You're literally, you're literally paying for a 14 touchdown season. Uh, like, do, doesn't yeah. it sort of feel that way? Yeah. I, I still want, I want, mm. so he's in the eighth and Swift's, like, if Swift's in the seventh and he's in the eighth, I'm definitely taking Swift. Okay. Let, thought experiment, Sam. DeAndre Swift shows up to camp, gets hurt again. Dan Campbell's like, dude, enough of cutting. You're we're gonna, enough, like enough of this, dude. I, I, I did an, an anti-Swift tweet earlier today, so I got some some more data if we want to go there. What 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 is David Montgomery in this offense on this team with this coaching staff? What is like the best season he could have? What does it look like? I think it could be like a Joe Mixon season from two years ago or something like that like low end rb1 okay, not, if you a, think, not amazing if you think if you think that's the range then this is a great price i i think the range is that he's devin singletary from two years ago when the bills gave him everything mm, okay let me so I, I looked into this like i i was totally on like on the side of swift versus montgomery you know the swift is a way better talent i want to be on the side of swift so I looked into their rushing and receiving grades from PFF over the past three years. And if you, so if you adjust them for like numbers of rushes and routes, meaning like in the years where Swift got a, more rushes, you would like weight that grade more than the year where he got injured and only had 70 rushes. So you take the weighted average of their rush and receiving grades over the last three years. Montgomery's rush grade is 73, Swift's is 70. Montgomery's receiving grade is 66. Swift's is 64. So like, I, I don't know. And, and like, I think we've also seen and how coaches view these guys, that coaches have been willing to give Montgomery much larger workloads than they've been willing to give Swift. And they just gave Montgomery a ton of money um, for a free agent running back. I think we also have to think about Montgomery. He had a six game stretch to end 2020. Uh, this is with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Whereas half PPR game logs, not full PPR, half PPR game logs, 23 points, 25 points, 23 points, 29 points, 19 points, 24 points. So average 24 half PPR points over a six game stretch with Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. I, I'd like in that scenario you described Davis where Swift is gone. Do you remember when well, that actually happened though? There was like it was a lot of the big... softest teams. Like he was like yeah. a, a weekly play in DFS because he was like, getting just like the softest rushing matchups. But, I, I don't know, but it's still a good situation. Like this situation is better than the Chicago bears, Trubisky led offense. Like I, I see your point there. It was like weak defenses, but I don't know. 24 half PPR points per game over a six game stretch. Like I think the upside is certainly there in the scenario that Davis presented where like they're done with Swift. I think low end RB one season is, is certainly in play for Montgomery. I would definitely push back on the like David Montgomery is good narrative. Um, he was like in rush yards over expected per attempt. He was very bad last year. Uh, only were Melvin Gordon, Michael Carter, James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, Najee Harris, Zeke, Rashad White, Dalvin Cook, and Antonio Gibson were the only running backs who were worse than him last year. He hasn't been as efficient as a receiver in yards per route run as Swift. He's like fine as a receiver. I, Swift was gone and Davis is analogy he probably would just like soak up a bunch of of dump offs but he's not a playmaker he, he makes guys like wouldn't it, miss. wouldn't it just be like justin jackson playing yeah. a lot on third downs yeah I, and i'm i'm skeptical of the grades with montgomery in particular because he does like make 
guys miss, but then he doesn't move forward afterwards. Wasn't <laughs> like he wasn't does the that, thing and then he just sits. Wasn't so. that the the thing with him coming out as a prospect? Like, wasn't the thing that people who liked him really latched onto was that at Iowa State he he did he was like either really good at breaking tackles or really good at at causing. I don't remember which metric people were really good. Obviously, the thing everyone yeah force missed tackles go. per touch is is I think he was and and then um, Pro Football Reference as well. His like broke broken tackle stuff was really strong. I just think anyone who's tackles. watched, I just think anyone who's watched him play can understand that that it's totally like he just is a slow lumbering type. Like he's not bad. I think yeah. I think he's gonna fit in pretty well. Like I think he he is. I think he's better than Jamal Williams. Like I think he's probably a better North South and, and a little bit more capable. Like the thing was Jamal Williams in all those games swift missed. Yeah. I remember every week I'd be doing the projections and I'd be like, all right, well swift's out. So I got to give Jamal Williams like an 8% target share probably. And his target share went down in the games that Deandre (laughs) Swift missed. It was like insane. It it got down to below 4%. So I think Honestly, to me, the Montgomery thing is is totally more about them just being over, like Dan Campbell and his staff just being yeah. over DeAndre yeah. Swift than it is about being like, I mean, it's a big contract for him. And I, I just, I, I have trouble seeing a real ceiling. He feels like, to me, he feels like a good advance rate. Uh, tough to see me selling myself on that's what you needed in week 17. I guess like the other thing with Montgomery, like the, the guys in his range are all guys that can get completely wiped out by Bijan Robinson. Khalil Herbert, Rashad White, James Cook, Tyler Algier, like, you know, yeah. Isaiah Pacheco. Those are all the guys going right around him. I think there's, like, very little risk for, like, a huge running back in the draft going to Detroit. So, I don't know. It's a little bit of, like, the safety relative to those other guys. He just got paid. Like, I feel yeah. a lot better about that than Rashad White, James Cook, Tyler Algier. Better Here's, offense too. Yeah, I, I I think that's a good take. It is a deep running back class though. So like by the end of the year, does do they take a rookie who actually is someone they end up trusting on early downs? Like, you know, is this a three-way split by the end of the year? I could see that. Like talent is protection. You know, if you believe that a guy is good, then you're gonna feel much better about his role lasting over the course of the year. Um, I think Montgomery being like okay at everything but not really that great does put him at some risk i I agree with you it's not gonna be Bijan, but someone else could come in and start playing really well and it could be like a pacheco thing where his that guy's role grows over the course of the year yeah well yeah we'll see with uh with montgomery versus swift it'll be an interesting debate like i kind of thought that at some point their their adps will like flip so then for me, that gets even more interesting, but we'll see if it trends all the way in that direction. Oh, if they flip, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of Swift. Yeah, I, I probably, I probably would too, depending like sort of where that converges. Um, I okay, was another, hoping uh, that the market might let us have like tenth round Montgomery, and then I, then I would be in. Um, but at this price, it's a little makes me a little queasy. I should probably mix him in though. Cool. Yeah. Let's talk. Um, let's talk Tony Pollard. Uh, we had been talking about him. I don't know. Ever since like Pat, since you started looking at drafts, I think since I started looking at drafts, we've been mentioning Pollard as just sort of a clear, like weirdly mispriced 
player at around pick 40. He has now jumped up to, to pick 30. Uh, I guess Davis, I'll put this to you first. What do you, what do you think about Pollard's increase in price? And would you continue to, to chase that higher upwards? I mean, I think you just keep chasing Pollard until they give you a reason not to. I mean, obviously one, I think you got like a bazillion outs. I mean, one, Pollard might just get there on efficiency the way he got there on efficiency the last two years. I mean, he was the running back eight last year and what Zeke missed two games last year, I think two, two or three games, but mm-hmm. still he just absolutely crushed. I think it's pretty unlikely the Cowboys take Bijan. Um, I think, uh, you know, them the very similar to the Texans signing Devin Singletary, the Dallas Cowboys signing Ronald Jones is probably more of a signal of admission that they like Pollard than that they are looking to replace him. I hate and that I agree with you. I it's it, look, it's sad. I mean, look, we love yeah. Rojo. Rojo, we love you, but uh, I don't think you're threatening. If you if you didn't threaten seventh round rookie Isaiah Pacheco, I don't know if you're going to threaten Tony Pollard, who's playing on the franchise tag. I, I am excited for when Tony Pollard has a hit pointer or something, and I can jam, <laughs> I can jam Rojo and DFS. Yeah, it's, Pat, it's bringing gonna... the um, bringing the Bijan conversation back. You, you mentioned uh, the Bears and Ravens as your like least favorite landing spots for for Bijan. So let's say the Cowboys add nobody else; it's just Pollard, Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, and Bijan goes to the Bears. Who would you rather have? I think Pollard. You're just not getting any receiving work from from Bijan there, and it's like now he's is really awesome two down guy but it's is he like definitely a better early down guy than nick chubb you know like uh, yeah because it's because he part of the play with Bijan is that he's like gonna get way more receiving work than nick more, chubb he's more gonna more play every work. down but yeah. is he gonna get more receiving work if he's on the bears no so that that's where it starts to feel like okay now Bijan really is kind of more of a third round value yeah that's fair um, I think I'm in the same boat there uh, with with Pollard and like obviously Bijan's an amazing prospect, the best we've seen since Barkley Z. However, you want to you know put the put the line in the sand there, but it's still projecting a guy into the NFL. We know Pollard is amazing, so like I 95% confident Bijan's gonna be amazing. But if I know Pollard's already amazing, is in a better situation, yeah, I would I would probably take him over in that situation. Other guys, a couple like more uh, deeper guys on this list: uh, Damian Harris, James Robinson, Jeff Wilson, and Samaji P. Ryan. Let's let's stick with the running backs first. Pat, any of these risers that you're not buying, or you're you're questioning why they're going up boards? James Robinson. What's the what's the yeah, that's a gross one? I mean, it's I guess that he has a job. Is that why he's rising? I think people are what I, I assume Pierre Strong is one of our followers. So the market is just saying James Robinson is the compliment, not Pierre Strong slash Kevin Harris. This yeah, James Robinson is a reason to buy Pierre yeah. Strong. <laughs> you know, if if we only if there wasn't if Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong were one person, I would be very bullish on that one running back. <laughs> it's just tough because it's like you could be like directionally accurate. And bet on Pierre Strong, and then it turns out it's Kevin Harris. So that that part of it makes me makes it tough. But I'm not betting on James Robinson. Underdog should find a way to like securitize like the RB four and RB fives on RB, a certain team. Yeah, RB four, <laughs> Patriots RB four. I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think the Robinson thing, I think like the, the contract was a little bit of funny money that got people confused. Like it came out as two years, 8 million. It's actually zero guaranteed money on that contract. So it could be like, let's get a look on, look at him in camp. Like if he's back to old James Robinson, you know, maybe miraculously he does sort of the cam Akers thing where he recovers to, you know, pre Achilles form. And then we get an okay deal on him. Otherwise, we just cut him. I think that's sort of the Pats play here. So I'm not drafting him at all. I think he could easily be cut. Yeah. And if he's I, not I cut, agree with that. what's the what's the upside? Even if Stevenson went down, do we think it would be workhorse James Robinson? Because I do not. That's what that's what the drafters, that's what the James Robinson drafters are saying, though. They're saying that that of the the four guys who are on the roster right now, he's the he's the I mean, he, well, he weighs more than Pierre Strong. I, I don't know about Kevin Ayers, but he would be the most likely big-bodied goal line type guy. I think it's – I mean, people wouldn't even take Ramondre because it's like, oh, God, Patriots running back, can't draft him. It's always a gross committee. Like, And now Ramondre gets hurt, and it's not a gross committee. It's the James Robinson show. Like, give me a break. Like, we know it would be a gross committee if James Robinson didn't show anything last year coming off the torn Achilles. He'd have to yeah. be way, way better – I don't even know that like Jacksonville era James Robinson would like have Bill Belichick's full trust in his first year. Uh, the guys, the guy generally likes committees. So, yeah, this is what happens. Ramondre gets injured week six, has to miss a game. Uh, we find out two hours before kickoff that James Robinson has been healthy scratch for JJ Taylor off the practice squad. Yes, JJ Taylor back. Yeah, it's uh, producer four minute JJ Taylor <laughs> highlight reel. Uh, I did a, the one, the so I, I'm not buying two of these. Uh, Adam Thielen will be on zero of my fantasy teams, and I can't imagine Jeff Wilson will be on any of my teams either. Miami, uh, I would make Miami like a minus 500 favorite to add a running back in the draft, maybe even maybe even more than that. Uh, like maybe two, right? Maybe even multiple running backs, like they got. Uh, Miami got so little production out of the running backs. And, and I, I feel like uh, we all kind of became enamored by the, the Tyreek Jalen Waddle and then, Oh, river crack rafts coming out and Trent Shurfield just scored an 80 yard touchdown. And, but like, like Mike McDaniel is a Shanahan acolyte. This, he wants to run the ball, dude. You, you don't, you like, he let Mike Kosicki go. Look at all the tight ends they have on their roster. All their tight ends are like, uh, you know, monosyllabic, uh, you know, big Durham 10. Smith. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like those dudes are out there to, to fucking grate the road. You know, that's why <laughs> yeah, they are. Th- that is why they're on the team. So I, I, and Jeff, look, you know, all due respect to Raheem Mostert, all due respect to Jeff Wilson. These, these are like the most replacement level guys in the NFL. So I, I, I think, um, yeah, it just seems seems bad. But P Ryan, I'm chasing all the way up. Did you guys see the Sean Payton stuff this last week? He was like, yeah. I went out and recruited Samaj P Ryan. Like, I wanted Samaj P Ryan. And he was saying, like, and, and then P Ryan at the same, it was a, a, an article where they both gave quotes. And P Ryan was like, Yeah, I was very convinced by his sales pitch. Basically, like, he's going to play me a shit ton because Javante Williams isn't going to be 100% all year. Yeah. All right. I'm back to the. I want to get to the on Yeah, I like the Piran one. Back, back to Wilson, Davis. I had the same thought to you as thought as you about the Dolphins. They only have four picks in this draft in total, and 
two of them. I guess I kind of forgot that. They they gave up two picks, right? Yeah. They only have so their only day two picks are pick fifty one and pick eighty four. Then they don't pick again till pick one ninety seven and pick two thirty eight. They did give Jeff both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert around two million in guaranteed at signing. So I think like I think they're gonna add one running back. I think that still makes like either Wilson or Mostert worth drafting in this range. Like I think it's still fair, like handcuff price, uh one sixty-four. Like, I don't know. Worst case scenario, pick fifty-one, they could get like Gibbs or Charbonnet, like pick eighty-four, maybe they're in the range for like Roshan, Kendra Miller, like totally plausible scenarios but i think it might be hard for them to like draft two like better running backs than than jeff wilson so that's my only slight pushback there that i think i'm okay with with wilson at that price hear me out undrafted free agent deuce vaughn to the miami dolphins who objects (laughs) not me I just can we just I don't I don't ask very much out of the NFL but just can I get like a game a, a NFL game of seeing what Deuce Vaughn can do out in an NFL I just that's all I want I just want I just want to see it happen once when's his pro day are we getting a workout that's a good question he should just run, pull the run Sean a five Tucker run a five group. flat three cone Deuce that's what we need out of you um, I'm the uh, fastest three cone in human history. He's got to just their, release their, the YouTube their video. Pro day, their pro day is next Friday. All right. Mark it on your calendars. What time? Is it during ADP chasing? Uh, it's at three o'clock. So no, it'll be, it'll just uh, get, it'll just get done. Should we move the show? Should we go? <laughs> should we go? I haven't been, I haven't been back to my college, uh, like since I graduated. Or no, I've been back once. We Dude. could do we could do we could do a whole K State trip and go hang Let's out. Let's do it, man. At all my old haunts. We could go idea. see my old college house. How big is the the corporate budget for uh, ADP chasing? Do they allocate some uh, travel funds? This, this quarter? Just, well, <laughs> yeah, we got to well, yeah, we got to get we got to get on the horn. We got to get on the horn to Mr. Overzet and we'll see. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can get legendary upside to sponsor this thing. I for sure, I for sure can. I, like, I'll we'll, we'll have uh, couches to crash on, though. No, no doubt about it. So we can take we can take the housing budget out of it. <laughs> this does seem like kind of a like a bucket list item. <laughs> imagine, imagine how many retweets and faves a picture of me, you, and Deuce Vaughn would get. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay, I am a hundred percent in. The engagement is just too good to pass up. That's he's taller that between is, you and Deuce Vaughn Davis. He's up. He's like an inch taller than me, probably. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> me and Deuce Vaughn. Me and Deuce Vaughn doing the short shuttle at the same time, and we oh, do man. we do a little side by side. We need to find out who he signed with. Who's his agent? Let's get. I know. Story. I bet. I actually. I bet. I can figure this stuff out. I. I can we get. Let's let's do this. Let's get Deuce Vaughn on at least one episode of ADP chasing Please. this offseason. I bet we Please. can. I honest to God, I bet we can. Yeah. We might have to fudge the numbers so he looks like the biggest riser, maybe as a uh yeah. to get him on the show, but um, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> the biggest riser in our hearts, Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Let's let's uh before we move on to followers, I want to talk Brandon Cooks. I think this is like potentially the most interesting wide receiver move of the offseason besides uh DJ Moore to the Bears. Uh uh yeah, curious what you guys think about going around pick 90 now. I still think that's like quite 
good considering the other wide receivers in that range. But yeah, is he is he too old? Are we worried about sort of him falling off with the Texans potentially? What, what do we think there? I just am worried about like I guess the thing with Cooks is he's just done this so many times. He's been traded four times and pretty much has always been good in the new spot. I, I think the thing you worry about is that clearly CD is better than him and he might just like what what isn't there just a chance that Gallup is a little bit better two years removed from the ACL and now Brandon Cooks is just basically Marquez Valdez Scantling on the Dallas Cowboys? There's a chance of that, but he hasn't fallen off that dramatically. Um I think what was his what was his yards per route run stuff like last year? It was like one point four to one point five ish range, I think, off the top of my head. Yeah. So I will also throw out there that uh Matt Harmon at reception perception actually says that like by his charting, Brandon Cooks has not fallen off at all. And actually his last couple years with the Texans, he's been like better at success rate versus man. That's been hidden in like yards per route run because he's been with, you know, fucking Davis Mills and garbage. He also was, but he also was better than I gave him credit for 1.64, which is not great, but it's not like concerning. And he was 1.96 two years ago, which is actually extremely good given he was playing with Davis Mills. Yeah. I think your scenario is possible though, Davis. Like I think people are maybe sleeping a little bit on Gallup just because the ACL stuff can sometimes take two years for guys to bounce back. But I still think like the Cowboys in general like just seemed a little too cheap. And I think like they should have two pass catchers going in the top 80 picks, probably. I, I don't know. Maybe not with McCarthy, but I'm I also I'm fine. think you want to think about this in the terms in terms of like the larger positional prices, and there are not a lot of wide receivers left at pick 89. Yeah. You know, this that's, is this that's is a, the big thing. Yeah, so I think he's a good pick there still. And, you know, if we're talking about a draft landscape post-NFL draft where or whenever running backs just start going higher, you know, sometime in July or August, this price would translate to, like, maybe more like pick 100. You know what I mean? So I, I think he's a pretty good yeah. pretty good pick still. Okay, here's a question. Just Let's say, like, is CD being out? good or bad for cooks though like like is he a guy who who gains contingent value or does he actually i i can't i can't decide i mean also part of it it, yeah part of it is i don't know what the cowboys are going to look like without kellen moore like like these two guys who are in charge of the cowboys this year are like architects of some of the worst offenses we've seen with with good quarterbacks right schottenheimer and mccarthy have been run out of town by hall of fame level court like Brian Schottenheimer was the Jacksonville Jaguars 2021 offensive coordinator. Like he's been, he's been so bad. Yeah. But in some ways I I wonder if that makes CD a little bit riskier because yeah, he's really expensive. And the whole thing with with McCarthy and Schottenheimer is that their offenses are basically like, all right, go do your thing, man. Like they don't steam anything. It's like, go win. But like right. Cooks is someone I actually feel pretty good about doing that. He's been in terrible offenses. He's been in a million different offenses. He's always succeeded reasonably well, no matter where he's been. Like I actually am, am confident that if you just like have him go run the routes they like him to run, he'll do good on those routes. He'll get open enough. So especially with Lamb being there to help that, I I think you know we've also seen him be a target hog when. Uh, there's not anyone else to throw to. We've seen him operate along Will Fuller 
and be a, a good secondary option. So I feel like kind of both paths are are viable. If, if Lamb were yet hurt, he'd have a lot of value, I think. If Lamb's there, he can be a solid wide receiver too on that team. All right. Yeah, that seems about that's right. Fair. Let's talk fallers. Uh, so the largest fallers over the past week, we again have similar names here. Kayshawn Boudet, Lamar Jackson, Austin Eckler, and Joe Burrow appear in the list for the second week in a row. Uh, and then guys like Swift, Daniel Bellinger with Waller signing on the Giants. Zeke obviously got cut. Sam Howell, I assume that's Brissett related. Pierre Strong, James Robinson related. And Isaiah McKenzie got cut. Uh, that, that rounds out the fallers here for the past week. I wanted to have a bit of the quarterback discussion with you guys this week. It seems like the early quarterback drafters are capitulating a little bit. Totally. We, we see, That's totally what's happening. <laughs> yeah. We saw Mahomes in this list last week. Burrow and Jackson are for the second week in a row. Yeah, is is this is this uh second round quarterback meta gonna gonna die by the time uh best ball uh mania four? comes out it's gonna it's gonna be is gonna it's gonna be big once once the casual the well not even the casuals because you got to be pretty sick to be drafting best ball mania three teams in may but the (laughs) even when even when the the less true dgen mentally (laughs) ill people get drafting (laughs) i i think i think we're gonna see the quarterbacks continue to fall I do love this like categorization of the best ball degenerates of like may people like, yeah, you, but you still like go out to dinner and stuff and hang out <laughs> with people occasionally. It's yeah. like, you're not, you're not the level of sicko drafting today. March, March, March drafters haven't touched grass since they don't remember. They don't even, they, they have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it'll definitely change, but I guess it's sort of like, does it, does it matter because you know this tournament's going to close and these ADPs will be what they are and you know then there'll be different ADPs and you could be someone that's drafting quarterback early now and then you you know in that other environment be someone who's waiting longer um but I do feel like this is sort of the worst time to capitulate because like Richardson is now expensive I feel I feel worse about waiting at quarterback than I did early in the offseason like I was not drafting any of these really pricey quarterbacks to begin big board drafts. Cause I was just like, I'll take three and draft Richardson or, you know, I'll, I'll tack on Bryce young or whatever. Like I kind of Bryce young was a little more inexpensive as well, I think. But now I've actually mixed them in a little bit. Cause I'm not as confident that I can figure out quarterback later. So mm-hmm. I've kind of gone the other way. I, I am occasionally drafting some of these second round quarterbacks now. Yeah. At this point, like they're not going to drop, like anyone's either getting them in the late second or early third. And is that really like a difference? I would say not really. Like you're just kind of flipping, like instead of taking, you know, Josh Jacobs in the third and Mahomes in the second, you're taking Josh Jacobs in the second Mahomes in the third or whatever player you want to substitute in there. Right. Like I'm skeptical. It matters that much if that's the only drop we're seeing. So I'm kind of with you, Pat, that, I'm fine just because now I know like, oh, I'm not getting bamboozled by like stupid, like early prices for them. Like I'm pretty confident we're getting the same ish prices throughout the entire big board. Like at this point, if you want to take the high ceiling quarterbacks, I'm fine with it. If it's, if it's stacked, I'm yeah. I don't know. Don't have a hot take. So I did, I did a couple drafts this week and I 
just like intuitively felt the expensive quarterback prices were like insane. Like every time I was yeah. on the clock and I saw like Mahomes hurts out, I was just like, I can't, I can't click these. I, I whereas whereas the uh, maybe previously in in the past, you know, sort of the the pick sixty through pick eighty guys, I would have been like, that's the worst range to draft a quarterback. You know, you're you're sort of like overpaying for the security of just knowing they have a job for, for 16 weeks. Like, like Trevor Lawrence to me feels like a really good pocket of the draft where there's not anyone I'm, I'm absolutely begging to take there. Um, so that one, that one was, was interesting. Do we think Elijah Moore will be on uh, the biggest risers next week? Uh, yeah, uh, probably right. Although he was always a little expensive, so I don't know. Now, up. now it just feels like he's not a terrible pick. Well, it just depends on uh, depends on where Leone ranks him, right? I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> he get some insider info on what Leone's yeah. ranks are going to be. Let's DM Leone and, and see if his okay, price is going to rise. So right now, Elijah Moore is the wide receiver fifty-two. I'll pull up ETR and see where he's ranked right now. I bet, I bet he, I bet he's, oh, no, because Le- he's too young. Leone might not, Leone might not be into the 23 year old wide receiver. Plus, you do have okay. to split up targets between Njoku, Donovan Peoples Jones, Cooper, and more. So I bet he's lower than that. Okay. Yeah. Let's see here. He's NFL. only, I think, so this news has been out for what, three, three days now, two days? Yeah. I kind of forget. And he's only, he's up one spot over the past week. So maybe there's like, a lag and he's gonna rise a little more but i i kind of think the market is treating this as like uh equivalent situation i i think like in both situations you had sort of a clear alpha like amari cooper and garrett wilson obviously wilson's better than cooper but you know sort of sort of clear target earners in their teams and then you have like secondary guys that are gonna kind of get in the way for various reasons alan lazard because aaron Rodgers loves him and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, because I think he's good at what he does, running, like, deep clear-out routes. So, I don't know. I guess, like, does does Elijah Moore see snaps in, in two wide receiver sets? That don't, That's what I'm trying to think through. Like, probably, but probably I'm, not. I'm not sure, though. I don't think so. But I bet they I run a decent so. amount of three. So, maybe it doesn't matter a ton. He's going to he's, he's be behind DPJ in two wide It kind of matters yeah. for the TD, TD stuff, unless yeah. he just gets a ton of deep touchdowns. Yeah, what would you project his route rate to be like? Probably like seventy-five or eighty percent. Like, no, I, I see. That's do. the thing, though, is maybe he only plays sixty-five percent of the snaps. But I bet his route rate's really good. You do okay, okay. Because because Cleveland is such a you know got got to run the dang ball, Nick Chubb type vibe. You know, they're just gonna <laughs> yeah. it's just gonna be Harrison Bryant. You know how they talk in Cleveland. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even. That's a good. I don't. I don't have no idea what Stefanski even sounds like. But, but to me, that's what anyone who's ever coached Nick Chubb has to have like a really <laughs> yeah, overwrought, do. overwrought Southern accent. Basically, <laughs> once you meet Nick Chubb, you turn into Falcorn Leghorn. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I, my, my general thought would just be is like that. Just all feels like window dressing because either it's Elijah Moore is actually as good as we always thought he was, and now he doesn't have a coach and a quarterback who hates him, or he do, or he's not that good, right? I, I just I don't think like at a wide receiver fifty two price, I think you're you're really it's actually what we just talked about with Penny earlier. Like, there's no way Elijah Moore finishes wide receiver fifty two. It's either like he's wide receiver twenty nine or or like he's like not on the team and they just cut him or something, you know. 
Yeah. Like I maybe he's it, got a bad attitude. Yeah. I think he has a little bit of like contingent upside because I, I kind of agree with, with you, Pat, that I would not project him to play in three wide receiver and two wide receiver sets. But I think he, if you believe what he did as a rookie, I think he showed he like can win versus man yeah. coverage. I know the people who chart him sort of showed that. So like, I think pick 110, you know, doesn't project for three wide receiver sets, but he's not a pure slot. He could do it if it was called upon. I think it's like, a fine price. I'm not super pumped about it, but if I took Deshaun Watson, like I'd make it somewhat of a priority to get more. I think there's enough, enough upside there. Are you taking DPJ or more? Probably they're right next to each other. More, more. Come yeah, on. I think D- more D- too, DPJ, yeah. DPJ is, is team prairie yards, you know? Yeah. I think I'm with you guys. I think it's close. Does, doesn't it, doesn't it feel like also it's really more about like, is this I saw stop- Sam's counting snaps in his head. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it isn't it also kind of more like is Deshaun Watson just going to be total ass again or is he going to be good, you know? That yeah. that also feels like a huge part of it. Yeah. DPJ Yeah, but if he's good, yeah. if Watson's good, one path to that, you know, to him kind of taking that step and being more comfortable is that Moore is also good. Like they right. feel more plausibly like really positively correlated than him and DPJ. More more I mean more 11 personnel instead of 12 personnel should also theoretically help too yep. cuz like 12 personnel is asking your quarterback to do a lot cuz no one's yeah. taking no really no one's take uh no one's taking Chubb seriously as a receiver and no one's taking Harrison Bryant seriously as a receiver. Right. The Cleveland stack is kind of kind of interesting. Like you could get Deshaun and Joku pick your poison more versus DPJ. All it's in like a really easy stack eight, 10, and 11. And like that feels like pretty good upside for the cost, to be honest. I it's hate saying good, it because I've, I've fucking hate drafting Deshaun Watson. I have for the past couple of years, but it's it's probably smart. I agree. What can you do? What can you do? Um, okay, the rest of these dusty veterans, I don't really want to talk about. We've already had the Swift discussion. Why don't we move on to uh, the stacks? Unless last chance here, if you guys want to talk about Daniel Bellinger or something like that. Otherwise, let's move on. The Is, stacks. Well, here- actually, I got one. Shouldn't <laughs> okay. we be buying the dip on Zeke? Uh, buying the dip here on Zeke a little bit because whatever team signs him is going to give him the ball. Like this is this is a. Uh, Crane, you know what this is? This is a fucking 2020 Fournette situation. Not, not, it, it, not it to the probably same, is. Not to yeah. the, not to the same extent because I think Zeke has so little juice, and Fournette clearly at least had juice left as a rusher. But like, he's going to sign to one of these teams and get 40 catches, 180 rushes, and 10 touchdowns. Like it just, it's just going to happen. What I would say, if you, I mean, compared to the Fournette situation, Fournette actually was not a good pick in 2020 he ended up being a really good pick in 2021 right right once he was there for the year but remember it was playoff lenny he didn't do anything really until the playoffs yeah so that's right i think that you know maybe you could you could see that type of situation where he goes there he goes somewhere behind a guy you know and it's kind of like it's just he just kind of makes it gross he doesn't actually pay off anything really he just like destroys someone else's value um but i what think the, yeah. yeah let me throw out a hypothetical because the Bengals run his final list of teams am i making that up 
I think they well that was the other thing that's I think sort of a red flag right he puts out this list of teams and it's like you know the the three the three finalists for Zeke and it like then the reports come out like these like the Eagles are like yeah we've not talked to him <laughs> <laughs> like the, the finalists are his he's saying they're the finalists like it's it's, it's the eight the agents not. are saying that to get him some money I think yeah that is that is a red flag I, I think they're putting it out there to get him a job Okay, but but how much? Okay, Ezekiel Elliott in the Joe Mixon role. Joe Mixon gets gets cut. How much worse is Zeke than Joe Mixon? A lot worse. Eh, really? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say a lot worse. Well, is that I, a Mixon take or a Zeke take? <laughs> it's a Mixon, a Mixon take. It's like okay. Mixon. Mixon, I think, was had a lot of juice when he was like twenty four, but he's Mixon's twenty eight now. Uh, is he that old? He came in maybe he's, maybe he's not that old. You don't. You gotta add. Yeah, yeah you added two years. He does turn twenty-seven well, in July. That's that's what I do. That's so so. Whatever I say in age, you just gotta know. When it's a guy I don't like, it's two years older it's than he two actually years is. Older. Only only so, a year plus. Uh, so Leonard years. Leonard Fournette is is thirty-two. You know, it's like it's like by by that math. <laughs> yeah, he's he might be he's forty for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess yeah, I would. I, I think. It feels like we're timing the the bottom a little bit. If you take Zeke now, like, is he going to fall this much farther? I don't know. Like, I guess it depends how much you care about getting exposure to Zeke this year. If if you want if you want exposure, I think you draft him now because I think he probably goes up a little bit. Um, but we'll see. And I guess the thing that you have the out you have with Zeke is that he was playing through injury and he doesn't. He's not as dusty as he looked. That's been the argument yeah. for what, like four years in a row for him. It is, but I mean, maybe <laughs> this time it'll work, you know. And at this price, like if he's just not complete dust, and then he lands somewhere, you know, and he could land like if he lands with the Chargers or whatever, or if he lands with the Chiefs, you know, or the Bengals or whatever. Like there are spots where it's not, it's not that bad. And pick one fifty. I mean, I don't know. There are other guys that I like there more than Zeke still. I wish he'd fall a little further, I guess. Like I want Elijah Mitchell still over yeah. Zeke. I want I think I want Damian Harris still over Zeke. Those guys are now yeah. going slightly slightly. I mean Damian Damian Harris Damian Harris is an absolute jam. Damian Harris is like a you should take him like where Penny's going. Really? So I don't I mean <clears throat> aren't you worried at all about like Josh Allen stealing goal line work and then him getting boxed out of receiving work and now he's like just kind of the trap back. But the trap back on the third best offense in the NFL probably should go higher than 150, right? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's fair. If he yeah. if he settle, like I think he'll probably settle in the Singletary, like 100. That's all. It's like I would draft Damian Harris, like except except Damian Harris is probably better than Devin Singletary, who's like one yeah. of the least athletic running backs we've ever seen. Damian Harris had a lot of like long breakaway runs in the Pats like two years mm-hmm. ago when he led the NFL in rushing TDs. Um, like he's not a super fast guy, but he has way more than Singletary does in the open field in terms of taking you know a ten yard run and making it a fifty yard run. He can he can do that a little bit. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, let's let's talk stacks here. So this is the same chart we've showed for the past couple of weeks. Um, this chart is a little tough to digest, so I'll, I'll try to break it down a little bit better than I have previously. So this is. 
the gray bars here. <laughs> I did. Showing... I did call this chart out last week. I, yeah, <laughs> I it's. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally. Sometimes I make a chart and I'm like, it makes total sense to me, but no one else has actually done the work to make the chart, so it's super confusing to everyone else. So if you but, look at it for a second, it does make sense. You just need to mm -hmm. digest it a little. Yeah, I think the best way to read it is the gray bars are sort of the price of the stack. That's the average of the double stack ADP, so the quarterback and the top two pass catchers. So that's sorted left to right from the most expensive stacks to the cheapest stack. So Philly, Bengals on the far left side, um, New England, Carolina, far right side. The, the colored bars are the positions that make up the double stack. So the purple bars are the quarterbacks and the red and yellow bars are the, the pass catchers. So you can see the average prices and you can also see like, oh, if I look at Kansas City, I can see that, you know, Kelsey's way up in the first round. That's the red bar. The purple bar is Mahomes, like mid third round. And then that third bar is Tony, the second pass catcher at pick 180 or whatever, or sorry, at pick 80. So that's sort of the way to read the chart. The changes I made this week is to sort of fairly compare some of these teams that are going to draft a rookie quarterback. I just plugged in the chalk landing spots for those teams. So I put CJ Stroud on the Panthers. I put Bryce Young on the Texans and I put Anthony Richardson on the Colts. Um, I didn't assign Will Levis anywhere because he's being drafted so late that it wouldn't affect the chart. I don't think. Um, and I also assigned Aaron Rodgers to to the Jets here. So that makes those teams a little more comparable. What I wanted to talk about is if you go to the far right side of this chart and look at the cheapest stacks, you got Carolina, Houston, and Indianapolis, all extremely cheap, all teams that were expecting to draft rookie quarterbacks. My kind of takeaway from this is like, I think there's a lot of upside in those three teams because their rookie quarterbacks are very cheap because their pass catchers are very cheap. And, you know, especially Stroud and young have upside of being really good NFL passers, you know, maybe not in year one, but that's sort of what they project as. So I'm pretty excited. You know, the pass catchers are gross to click on, but like Houston and Carolina, if you kind of like get boxed out of stacks early on, I love the, the Houston Carolina Stroud, you know, Bryce young stacks. You can build at the end of the draft. So I think it's a lot of upside at like, zero cost right now um so yeah pat what, what do you think about that some of the stacking up some of the rookie quarterback likely teams i like it it's something i've been doing uh i like both of those well i like the texans pass catching clicks more uh yeah. i wrote a post uh on a legendary upside about nico collins that one's for free go check that out um i think john mechie's somewhat interesting i think They'll probably draft. Do we, a do we have an update on him? Is this, is there is there like an update on like is he going to uh, play football? I thought he was playing football. Is he? Didn't he? Hmm. I haven't heard anything to be honest. Like I, all I know about John Mechie is that eleven months ago they said he's got cancer. He's not playing football. That's all I know. Oh, I had heard some pretty positive stuff in terms of his recovery, but okay. I guess I don't one hundred percent know that he's playing football this year i'm not that's, i didn't i didn't mean to, i didn't mean on. that to i didn't mean that to so discontent i i literally did i didn't actually know yeah there's been some reports a couple weeks ago that are positive but not saying anything definitive like saying yeah, he's yeah. steadily recovering i think it's kind of a wait a wait and see with him right now sure well i've drafted more nico collins which is which is good um yeah. but i also think they're probably drafting somebody 
So, yeah. you know, yeah. if you're going to mix in, you know, some of these other rookies, uh, you might end up with a stack there. Um, the Carolina one's a little bit less fun. I don't really like taking Adam Thielen. I've taken some Terrace Marshall just because I feel like he's probably going to have some routes. And I've taken Zabiska for the Lulz. Yeah. yeah. Are you aware they signed DJ Shark today? Did they? Oh, man. It's literally, literally as we got on the air. I was not. That's a bummer for Shark as well. Is it? I mean, I, I feel like it's the same. I feel like it's the same thesis we were just floating for the Texans, which is if CJ Stroud is quite good or Bryce Young is quite good, then the whole ceiling, right? And obviously, if it's Andy Dalton, it's or or a shitty rookie, then it, then you're looking at, you know, Deontay Johnson of, uh, of, of 2022. Well, if he's going where those guys are going, I'll draft him for sure. But if he's. I, I think he, you know, he had more upside landing with a better quarterback. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think that's fine. That's fair. Yeah, I, I guess I don't like it from like his closing line value, but I do like it from like I don't think the market's gonna shoot up DJ Chark for signing in Carolina. They didn't really react a ton to Thielen signing, signing like a little bit, but not crazily. I, I could even so, see him falling, right? Because there could have been the assumption that Shark went to one of these good teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the the Stroud, Chark, Hayden Hurst stack that you can get at picks like you know thirteenth round, sixteenth round, fifteenth round, whatever whatever it might be. Like I kind of like that upside in one of the playoff weeks in best ball. If you just like need a cheap stack to go off when you know your Raven stack has a down week and you need them to advance or something like that, I, th- I think it's like I think it's pretty interesting cost adjusted, even though it's not the most interesting yeah. players. Well, okay, let me just share this because I was looking up the the John Mechie stuff. Um, this is from Nick Casario in January. I'd say there's a chance that he'll be ready for the start of the offseason program. I think there are still some things that he has to complete or go through. Quite frankly, it's amazing what he's done to this point. He actually looks better now than he did when we drafted him in the spring. He's improved his strength. He's improved his lower body strength. His attitude has been great, even though he's been dealing with a lot of things medically. So. Yeah. So that sounds that sounds like he's gonna play. Sounds like he's gonna play. Yeah. Okay, that's good. The other thing but, I wanted. Oh, go ahead, Pat. Well, I, so this shark stuff. So are we? Are you out on Marshall? Because now there's like, what is it? Thielen? Yeah, because he's. I'm out on Marshall because he stinks, and DJ Shark's probably way better than him. Well, him stinking is a problem. I'll, I'll grant you that. Like, um, like what? Like, I, what? What is the what is the sample of Terrace Marshall's career where he was good? It was like it was like one year when he was playing year, him. Last year he was playing on DraftKings. What? What? Wasn't it just all volume based though? I guess maybe you could argue that even getting the volume was something. So I'm I'm shooting from the hip a little bit with these numbers, but I think like his yards per out round last year was one point three ish and. DJ Morris was like 1.5. His was 1.5 and, and DJ Morris was not that much higher than that. So like, if you're going to paint the absolute bull case, it's like he was somewhat comparable to DJ Moore last year from an efficiency standpoint. Like I, I wouldn't go there. I like, I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but you, you could squint and, and see that picture. I think, well, I think his path to playing time goes through Adam Thielen who had 1.08 yards per hour on playing with Kirk cousins. When, there- you're They're you're living playing. on fan, you're yeah. you're living on Fantasy Island. If you think that is Adam Thielen the biggest marquee free agent to sign with the Carolina Panthers, like can you <laughs> marquee? He's people know people know Adam Thielen's name. 
Adam Thielen. Adam yeah. Thielen is a well-known NFL name. Yeah, but he's 35, dude. They gave him, dude. They gave 39-year-old Adam Thielen like 25 million dollars. Like probably you, the, yeah. the Chiefs yeah, in the middle. Seven years old. 43-year-old Adam Thielen. Other teams were probably like, we'll give you the veteran minimum for one year. And the Panthers were like, we cannot send our rookie quarterback to war with Shai Smith and LaVisca Chenault. You could name your price, dude. Name your price to come here and we will pay it. In in yeah. reality, he's turning 33 in August, which is still very <laughs> I was hoping I was hoping we could avoid actually saying his real age. I thought it was just part of the add two years bit. I didn't even uh No, he <laughs> legit yeah, he is, is 33 this year. He is actually so. he is actually old as hell. 14 million guaranteed for Adam Thielen. Like that's the worst contract of the offseason, right? I don't think you can be drafting Adam Thielen with with Shark signing there. Like the the thesis that you had for Thielen now just goes to Shark. Like he's he's the guy that will, you know, have a chance to emerge as like a true alpha there. I think. Yeah, and I, I think Terrace. I, I'm less interested. Like twentieth round, Terrace Marshall, sure, but like his path now to being on the field and two wide receiver sets isn't that clear, and also like his talent is not that clear. So that just seems like. What are we doing? I guess I like Chark. I like Chark, and I think Hayden Hurst is like pretty locked in for a good tight end role there. And it's gross. Like he's not that good, but it's a gross position. He's going to be running routes. He's going to be out there. I'd be careful with Hayden Hurst. Remember with the Colts, these guys rotated their tight ends nonstop. So, and Hurst mm. is not good. Okay. Yeah, that's true. They could draft. If, but if they don't draft one of these top guys, I don't know who else is there. Ian Thomas, like, I guess my point is like, as of right now, it looks good. But but you're right; they could easily add someone in the draft. Yeah, I mean, but they were playing like Jack Doyle and uh, who's the Kylan Granson. Like, oh God. they were just like they'll find guys to rotate. I don't. I, I'm very. We don't. We don't feel great about the quarterback play. They'll literally we don't feel good about the player. tight ends to rotate. Yeah, uh, I I think Curse is a trap. Uh, all right. I, I agree. I agree. It's a trap. Counterpoint it's a trap. 13, 13 million guaranteed at signing for Hayden Hurst. That's that's my only counterpoint, but I don't want to. Yeah, but, I don't wanna, but again, I mean, Crane is, Crane is the king of making this point. Tight ends can get paid for a lot of reasons. Tight end, like you just, you know, it's a hard position to play. It does not always translate into what we want for fantasy. Yeah. I mean, again, like I, I agree with the rotation point. The Bengals kind of like had a rotation at tight end for a lot of years. And then Hurst plays there last year and he's the guy. I think some NFL teams view him as like the tight end you can give 80% snap rate to. Uh, we'll see if it works out in Carolina. Uzama he's, he's played also... a lot of snaps for them. He just didn't, he just wasn't good. Yeah. Like they, they, they had a role that he stepped into. It was just, he was just better. Is, he, is Ian Thomas still on the team? I don't know. He might not be because. I think last year was his fourth year. Uh, I mean, that's that's definitely. Oh no! Like... I think he's a little older, so he he resigned it. But yeah, he's he's locked in. Actually, he's got 
He's not locked in. They could cut him, but he's Tommy, only Tommy Tremble, Tommy Tremble, and Ian Thomas here to shit all over <laughs> Sam's Sam's Hayden. No, Tommy bags. Tremble, Tommy Tremble is exactly the type of guy they will rotate in. It, he, he, you might as well call him. You might as well call him Kylan Woods. You know, he literally, he's literally, you know, Jelani Granson. Like that dude. He's there. He's there to play Jelani Granson. That's so good. He's there to play 27% of the snaps, run just enough routes that you have to like, like think about him for minimum salary every week in DFS. And he gets six catches all year. <laughs> yeah. The, the cold stuff was so triggering last year on, on stat chasing where we were tracking the tight end snaps and routes. And it was like, Oh wow. Like Mo Ali Cox had a huge role this week. Like maybe you should consider adding him next week. Like he plays It'd be completely 10, 10% it's, of cause it's completely random. Yeah. They, they do a lot of bullshit. So. But that's that's like pretty consistent. It's obviously you know if they had like Gronk, they'd stop doing that. But like coaches have kind of systems that way, and I I would just assume my assumption would be that they will continue doing that stuff. And Hayden Hurst is not like the level of talent where they would change. Yeah, like Gronk. Phil Jack Phil Jackson signed the shittiest, dumbest point guards he could for like thirty years because he just was trying to replicate having Michael Jordan. Like that. Yeah. This is this, and like it's the same same vibe. Fair enough. I mean, hey, he's, Hayden he's Hurst pick, is Derek Fisher. He's at pick 200 right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's at pick 200 right now. So, like, if, if you're finding tight ends in that range that are guaranteed for huge roles, let me know. I, I haven't found anyone past there that, that really projects for that. Con- contingent value if Tommy Tremble gets injured, though? I mean, Chris Chris Manhurts <laughs> is gone, right? Chris Manhurts signed somewhere else. Tommy yeah. Tremble. <laughs> oh, God. We're sick. What do we got? Uh, oh, uh, I just, I again, I again wanted to, I wanted to bring this up on Tampa Bay because again, I, I need to continue to push the Baker Mayfield thing. But I, I just, I, I've not heard a single person in the fantasy world talk about this. What happens to Buccaneers pass catchers if one of Godwin or Evans gets traded? I have I have, I had that thought in a draft and it led me to select Mike Evans because I was like he gets traded or Godwin gets traded and like Baker maybe he just dials into Mike Evans and runs around and chucks it deep like I could see it Yeah yeah I I I mean Baker uh um Evans is probably the better fit for Baker because he's like, you know, he's right. not like a technician type. Like you got to hit him over the middle. Like that was the deal when Odell's dad made the video was like Odell still running all these good routes and Baker just not throwing to him. Right. Yeah. That's, that's why I like Evans more because if he's with Baker, he can probably survive it. Where Godwin, I'm like terrified of a Baker offense and Godwin. Um, and then obviously if either guy gets traded, you're pretty excited. So I don't, I don't necessarily know it would depend on landing spot, obviously at that point. So I don't know that like Evans or Godwin has like a better chance of getting traded. Or, or would you say maybe Evans contract wise probably has a slightly better chance? I was going to say, cause Evans has just one year left on his contract. Right. I Whereas I think right. God, I think Godwin signed an extension. So it's easier for Evans to renegotiate. And clearly there's lots of thirst out there for 30 year old wide receivers because we keep getting hit over the head with these uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade request stories. So there's, there's clearly a thirst out there. Would you trade for like, I think I would rather trade for a year of Mike Evans because you're probably not even having to give up that much than Hopkins. 
No, no, because Hopkins is so good. Mike Evans is very good. He's never not had a thousand yard season. <laughs> I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried that Evans has regressed in the skill department, whereas Hopkins didn't really show any skill regression last year. He Although did he two did years two years ago. He did two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Evans offers you some more downfield. Like Evans, what he offers you deep downfield is probably been covered up a little bit by Tom Brady. I mean, by, he still Tom, had by Tom's arm. 14.1 ADOT last year. Like he's still the same Mike Evans, but it's just that Tom Brady wasn't really throwing it deep all that much. I could buy that. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Evans has one year left, but it's twenty one million in dead money if he's cut. So doesn't that also mean that like even if he's traded, that money is on their books unless another team agrees to like pay that? Uh, I'm so done trying to understand the NFL rules for all this shit. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's like it feels like it's so arbitrary. Yeah, I, the trade rules, I, I'm lost on the trade rules. I understand what happens if you cut the guy and there's dead money, but once you trade guys, it seems to all go out yeah. the window. If there's not a column on over the cap for what happens if he gets traded, then I then I don't understand. But, and sorry. shouldn't there be? Jason, help us out, man. We don't get <laughs> <Come> this. <on. laughs> we need some help. Uh, let's, unless, uh, I think we can move past the, the team stuff for now. Um, we've hit on a lot of teams. I want to show the positional stuff quickly uh, to round out the charts this week. We do have the running back three to fours moving up uh, kind of noticeably this week. I think that's a lot of the free agents that we just talked through. I think they were artificially cheap because people didn't know where these guys were going to get signed. But uh, we did see sort of like that second grouping of running backs move up this past week. And wide receivers continue to move up every single week. Um Still trying to figure out who who did this, but um, at this point, I, at this point, all the values I have are running backs. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Don't you uh, don't you think there will be a bit of a reversal for this though? Not before the big board ends. No, 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 no. I agree. I agree with that. But yes, I do think that in July and August it will not be like this. Yeah. And if you look at, like, I think Hayden made the point better than I can make it, but, like, the running backs, I, I kind of see why they're falling because it's a ton of older guys. It's a lot of guys, like, in, in situations that don't feel good or, like, unpredictable situations, but running backs are still going to score points in fantasy this year. I, I don't think the NFL has, like, legislated them out of the game, uh, as far as I know. So, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's going to be... <laughs> Good values. Hayden Hayden basically called us stupid. He was like, he was like, basically, <laughs> he was like, he was like, basically, you guys are drafting these these dipshit wide receivers who have no upside, no contingent value. You're just drafting them to draft them, and you got you're fundamentally misunderstanding that. Yeah, running backs are going to project for less points, and they're they're a little bit less. Uh, they're actually just as volatile because their projection changes so much with injury. You know, whoever the whoever the fifth running back on the Denver Broncos is could be who you need in the fantasy football playoffs if enough dudes just get leveled off by injuries, you know. Yeah, Which well, I that thought, guy's not I, gonna be drafted in best ball, but 
Um, well, okay. Uh, Michael Carter on the Jets. He what's he been, what's he right now? Like two hundred ADP overall, yeah. something like that. No, yeah, even lower, two forty probably. I don't think yeah, he's like Mike, Mike, Michael Carter. You, I, I don't even have to squint that hard for like, oh, Brees, hamstring right when he comes back, he's not ready. Whoever they draft sucks, or they sign Z. Like, I don't even, I don't even have to work that hard just to see Michael Carter as the guy you need in Week Seventeen. Yeah, but I think the. Yeah, there's some definitely some ways to play it where you're drafting running backs like earlier than I tend to. And I'm drafting a lot of I'm drafting more running backs early in this environment than I otherwise would um, because I'm getting values. But I don't no, but love Hayden, the values. Hayden's saying take them late. Oh, he's saying take them at the end of drafts. He was he was saying remember what he was saying was like you, the ship chasers do these these nine wide receiver builds and then they never get right, a contributed right. point and they leave all these contingent value running backs like how like how like how many leagues was Samaj Pirine taken in a best ball mania three last year like something like he was drafting like 25 percent or something like that right. that type of guy should be a hundred percent drafted type guy that's fair i i actually do think that this draft environment makes your running back like harder to to pull off because you're you're passing on like some awesome running back values i think in like yeah. round two and three that are guys who are typically especially round three i think round three is loaded with guys who i'm used to having to take in the second round that profile feels like a second round running back profile by the market that i'm getting in round three and so i'm having trouble passing on those guys um and then, like to Hayden's Hayden's idea is like maybe you only grab one guy or you grab zero guys, and then you stop taking wide receiver, you know, after like six or seven instead of going to like eight or nine. Liam is Liam Murphy's also talked about this idea, um, which I think is interesting. But I, I'm actually more going like you know two running backs in the first six rounds because I think it's right. like way more viable than it usually feels like it is. Yeah, I think those are both viable, but I, yeah, I do think like the the wide receiver volatility thing is something that a couple years ago was like a little overplayed. And I think in half PPR, it's actually not true that wide receivers are the more volatile position than running back. I think that was the idea. You need a bunch of wide receivers. They're going to ping pong weeks, need a bunch of them. I think PPR definitely true half PPR Hayden's done some work the past couple of years that that volatility case is not really there for wide receivers versus running back. So I do really like the idea uh, that Hayden has of like, the same way we think about, you know, you get two anchored running backs, you probably just need four or five. Like if you start, you know, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, Debo Samuel or whatever, like hold off on the wide receivers. Like those guys. Well, I wouldn't hold off at that point. I would take, I would take, you know, three more and then maybe you're done. Sure. That's what I mean. Like hold off on the, on the total quantity. Like I, I've seen a lot of people, they, they start like super wide receiver heavy and they still have like nine wide receivers. Like I would not hundred percent. It's diminishing returns, right? It. Yeah. That, that's what it is. Yeah. And I think one way to think about he, this, I, he also yeah. made another good point about the scoring, you know, like 36, what, like, like Justin Jefferson's 11 points in a bad week are still probably making your lineup because of the way the scoring works, you know, there more wide receiver points are required. Whereas like uh, if you have three high scoring running backs, like maybe the nine points that Zeke gets isn't, isn't making it in. So you're actually gaining points by losing the roster spot. If that makes, maybe I, I'm not, I don't think I explained it the way. Hey, no, I see much, what you're saying. He's yeah. much smarter than me, but like the, the, 
added value of higher running back points is more because of the way the roster spots shake out. I think right. is the way Hayden explained it. I don't know. Maybe I'm a dumbass and I misunderstood him. Um. Yeah. Well, now I'm confused. Well, so I, I think I think what the argument is, um, and maybe we should have Hayden back on the show to, to explain this to us. But we need we need Jason Fitzgerald <laughs> and Hayden on the show. Tell us tell us how this works. Essentially, uh, you're going to start three wide receivers, probably more in the flex. So that means the replacement level wide receiver is anything from the wide receiver 36, the wide receiver 48. So that's yes. a lot of wide. This that's is a lot of is, wide receivers. Is, yes, right. This is so the point. Justin Jefferson's eight or nine point. I think Hayden's threshold for the replacement level wide receiver is only like eight points because that's just a shit ton of wide receivers. So you may be like, oh, Justin Jefferson's nine points. Like I wish I had someone else. Like that's not going to matter for me. That actually like counts in your right. lineup. Every he week. needs to do less to slot into your lineup. Yes, and that actually makes them less volatile. But it, well, it, it makes that it makes that elite receiver even more valuable because he's hitting your lineup even in his bad weeks and then he's crushing it for you in his great weeks and then you need to find less points at the running back position because you only have two spots to fill yeah and you should check out Hayden Hayden's article I don't think he touched on this in the show last week but he also showed that like he counted the number of points above replacement like how many times does say the say the wide receiver replacement level is eight points per week um how many times did a wide receiver last year get 20 points above that replacement level. And he actually showed that relative to running backs, uh, wide receivers are actually providing like less spikes above that replacement level than running backs are. I think that was just a, a one year thing and like certainly worth, I think it'd be super interesting research to like go back 10 years of data and, and see how this works. But we actually have Hayden in the chat now. All right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hopefully we didn't completely butcher your point um but it, it's i think we got there article. i think, yeah. I think yeah, we we, we yeah. got there but we just i i mean i just i just like uh 80 iq'd my way there and then sam saved me so tune into adp chasing we'll be um just really brutally butchering <laughs> works analysis we'll just be that, recapping um... his free underdog articles for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> there's any other research uh based articles you'd like us to butcher and then finally figure <laughs> yeah please let us know yeah all right, this feels like a good time to land the plan here. Let's um, let's talk our favorite values. Um, Pat, you want to start us off? You got a favorite favorite value, and we're also let me before Pat goes, we're we're gonna put a little bit of stakes uh, on this. Um, I think we agreed via Discord we're gonna be splitting a, a higher stakes underdog team at some point, like one of the bulldogs yeah, or whatever. They'll they'll do like a five hundred dollar one or whatever. Yeah, and we're gonna track all these takes. Um, and whoever does the best in terms of getting closing line value on these takes uh, will be free rolled in that tournament. The other two of us will will sort of uh, split it. So you guys are already drawing dead though, because I got two of the best values in. Oh, dude, this, I, is all, this is all based on closing line value, not what happens. Yes. Uh, oh no. Yeah, we can't, buddy. We don't. We don't care. We we can't control for the results once the pigskin starts flying around the yard. We can only predict what our fellow nerds are gonna do. Yeah, we got. We're I doing recommend trying to value. control for the results. Um, well, you by the way, would. I, you I, have would Rashad, I have Rashad Penny right now at a, a hundred pick increase. So I just want to say that. Oh um, God! All right. Ugh. Pat, what do we got? Favorite value? Well, I picked one that's not going to have much closing line value. 
but uh, I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it because, you know, you know what? Let me. Actually, We're also doing it. We're doing go, percent, go percent increase of closing line value. Um, so if you want to pick a guy higher up, you can still get upside there. Like if Pollard rises five spots, that could be equivalent to Penny rising 40 spots. You know what I mean? Um, Davis, you, you got one. I, I can start. It yes. Yeah, I, I got one. I will go with Damian Harris at running back 42, pick 140 overall. He he is going to be a top 100 pick by, by the time it's all over. I, I propose, by the way, if we if we get a Tim Patrick situation, that it's got to be thrown out, right? Someone tears someone tears their knee, injury. No. You you get a pass for uh, your guy getting injured. Oh, your guy gets injured. I don't know, man. This is football. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to do a spreadsheet exercise here. Let's make no. Ex- I don't want to get into exceptions because then, like, what if? I don't know. The starting running back on a team tears their ACL, and then your guy launches a hundred spots because of that. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let the let the you know random dot. The chips chips fall where they it. may. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. I like I like the Harris one though. I I would co-sign co-sign that, but I can't take it for this exercise. Pat, you got one. I'm just gonna stick with my my. You know what? Because I'm here to help the people. I'm not trying to like decide who has to pay for a big board draft. This isn't gonna get you any closing line value, most likely. But I just think it's a very good pick. Fits with the discussion we had about trying to get some late running back upside on your roster. It's Jalen Warren. He is highly protected is, by Najee a, Harris's. It's a really good value. pick. That's a good. Pick. He nothing's gonna happen to this backfield that's gonna shake shake it up. Most likely. I mean, who knows? You know, but. He is he is one of the more protected direct handcuffs, and he is a direct handcuff. And guess what? He's better than the starter. Najee Harris, we talked about some gross running backs today. Mm-hmm. I I don't think we've talked about anyone. Doesn't get as doesn't gross get grosser. As yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, higher in rush yards over expected per attempt than Ugh. Najee Harris last year. That's really uh, incredible. It's unreal. It's it yeah, David Montgomery, also better. Dalvin Cook, we talked about getting cut better it's like there's really not much threat here from harris as a talent it's just the fact that you know it's like a sunk cost status quo type of thing that he's got to overcome but we saw with ceh last year in his third season that's when kind of the dam broke on the coaches being tied to him they're like you know what we're sick of this we're just letting another guy get his shot and they already have that guy there in jalen warren he played pretty well last year they seem pretty impressed with him uh, I sometimes tack on Jalen Warren to Pittsburgh stacks because I feel like if Kenny Pickett's, you know, going to take a, a step, he needs the best guys out on the field. It's like, where, what are the scenarios in which this Pittsburgh offense is really crushing? To me, it's if Warren's out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I like him a lot. He's going to probably stick around this price, but uh, he will help you actually score points. I like the Warren pick a lot. It's like the just the free handcuff that, for whatever reason, nobody seems to want right now, and, and potential upside for more. Uh, we even saw. I, I you know, think last he year. will probably. I think he will probably increase in price, though. Well, he will now. <laughs> of <course>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying the heel turn. Is it working? It's good. That was good. That was a good start. Yeah. All right. I mine. Um, you guys both went with running backs. I'll go with the wide receiver. A little bit more challenging to get closing line value. So I'm going to, you know, since I'm already so far ahead in this exercise, I'll, I'll take a risk here. Uh, I'm going to go with Darius Slayton, wide receiver of the New York Giants. 
He's at pick 202 right now. He's cheaper than guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Wandale Robinson, Paris Campbell. The, the Giants are building an entire offense out of slot receivers, and Darius Slayton is he's the only one basically the only outside. body in their wide receiver room that's going to play outside. I think he's pretty locked into two wide receiver sets. Whereas, you know, good luck guessing Wandale, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard. Good luck guessing who's going to play in the slot amongst those guys. It's a disaster. Slayton's the guy you want. It's Wandale till he breaks, right? It'll be be Wandale until he gets hurt in like week four. Yeah, maybe. That's what I I thought. But then like Crowder on top of everything else, Crowder? When's the last time Jamison Crowder played in an NFL game for real? Like years. Two years ago? (laughs) <laughs> no, it wasn't it two years ago. No, last year he played a little bit. We couple first couple weeks he played. Did he? <laughs> I, I I barely I, even remember. Like he was on the Bills. Yeah, he played. He played. He played on the uh, Bills. Four games Bills. last year. Um, yeah. Anyways, it's a fucking massive slot wide receivers. Um, I guess if you want to compare Hodgins versus Slayton, maybe Hodgins looks a little bit better in some of the the numbers last year, but they gave him a grand total of $0 million guaranteed. They gave Slayton $5 million. I'm worried Hodgins gets gets cut at a price of $150. I don't know why you take the risk with, with Hodgins. Slayton's going to be on the team, and he's a full 52 picks later. So um, I, I kind of like the, the Giants stack, too. Uh, in terms of price, Daniel Jones, pick 100, tack on, you know, Slayton, maybe guess at one of the, sl- the slot guys at the end of your draft. And it's a pretty, pretty cheap stack that I think has some upside in the day ball offense. So uh, Darius Slayton's my guy. I like it. Cool. Yeah, I like that one. Awesome. Well, uh that was another another great show, guys. Um, Pat, I know you got a lot of stuff going on for for Legendary Upside. You got some a new article uh, out today on Bijan. Anything else you want to talk about there? I do. Yeah. So on Bijan, uh, that the Bijan section is completely free. Uh, go sign up. I also have uh, sections on Jamar, Jameer Gibbs and uh, Zach Charbonnet uh, behind the paywall. There's a 30 day trial, so you can check that out if you want. Uh, legendaryupside.com also $30 off subscriptions right now via the early bird discount uh, only $69 for the year uh, you can go that route if you prefer as well yeah awesome stuff and I'll just quickly um, give my perspective on legendary upside I, I love the podcast um, form of your articles I'm someone who I just I don't know if it's just my attention spans completely collapsed the last couple of years but I I really struggle to read things even people that put out really good work, people's whose whose work I really want to read. So the podcast feed for me, just getting all of that info um, in audio form is, is super awesome and, and, and really digestible. So um, I put a strong, strong stamp of approval on, on that stuff. It's, it's awesome work. Thanks. Yeah. I am also broken. I can only absorb things through audio. So that was, I was just hoping there was other people like me out there. <laughs> you guys got to train, you guys got to train your brain, bro. If you're not, if you're not reading, your brain is literally atrophying. It's like, it's like not working out in your thirties. You're literally ruining your brain. Yeah. But what if you're atrophied to the point where now you can't even do the thing? I, I am the most, I have so much more of a broken brain than any of you guys. And I still read every single day. I don't think you are. You you like read all these like amazing books and you have the authors on and talk to them. I feel like you're way less broken brain. No, dude, trust me. Tr- it's it's not it's not pretty up there. What I will I, I need another thing to say though. If you are a a 2x podcast listener, 
which I I kind of get the feeling that Sam might be. Please tell me you're not. No, no, I'm I'm a okay. very strictly one X guy. Friedman, oh, that's that's Friedman. Friedman fucking listens on like three X. That's insane. Uh, I mean, you uh, can't even make out all the words on three X. Like the, like literally, like people talk too fast. Words get chopped. I can't I can't handle it, man. I can't handle the idea that people are going around just trying to like download this information into their brains. It's like, bro, that's literally what reading is for. So I just get I just get I get very triggered by the two X, three X podcast listeners. I'm a one point two five X guy. I I've had a stretch where uh, okay. I was one point five, but one point two five, it feels like someone's talking regularly. It's just kind of like pitched it, up. It, it's pitched up and it's, it. the silences are crunched a little. It's just like someone's talking a little bit more engaged is honestly what it sounds like. I just, here's the thing. I, me personally, I can't imagine like listening to like a hardcore history episode on 1.25. You know what I mean? Oh, that'd be 1.25 like, all day. Like you, you gotta go 1.25. Like you get like, we get like four Dan Carlin episodes a year and you're trying to like race through it, man. It's like, it's no, like, I can't. That's not what it is. Imagine. It's just that I enjoy listening to it more because it's like I'm because like, oh, you've you've it. you've atrophied oh. your brain, dude. You you have you've literally you're, no, you're like I live one... in New York. I'm used to everybody talking fast. Come on, get the info. Talk already. What are you trying to say, man? Come on. Fair. I mean, maybe maybe that's true. Maybe it's uh maybe it's geographic. I don't know. Yeah. Ever I'm used to everyone. In, <laughs> everyone in Missouri like... just talks like they've coached Nick Chubb their entire life. <laughs> <laughs> The Ohio accent. Oh, that's funny. Davis, anything anything going on uh, for you? You want to you usual play? stuff? Sports Creative Fantasy Football Podcast, Take Cast. I uh, I'm 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 uh, <laughs> had yes. This exact same conversation. Yeah. I've, I've, because I, I feel very I feel I feel extremely passionate about this. Like like if. If anyone in my life listens to podcasts too fast, I'm like offended by it. But Dan in the comments here pointed out we had this exact same conversation last year. That was with me, Davis, and Pete and Ben. This is with me, Davis, is, and Sam. It's a completely different thing. It's completely, completely different. different. I, I don't, I, Sam and I are, are just getting, we're feeling each other out. I got to know if he's a 2X <laughs> podcast listener. I like that like, you that's thought in, I was a, a 2X podcast listener. I don't, I, I'm kind of, well, actually, I don't like that. I'm afraid that I, I'm giving up. Well, you're pretty, lives. you're pretty, you're pretty analytical. You're pretty database. And that's like, that's like Friedman's whole take is he's like, I'm not trying to be entertained. I'm trying to, I'm trying to engage with it. I'm trying to get this information into my skull, you know? I'm, I'm trying to do it in a way that makes it not entertaining. <laughs> like that's yeah. literally, that's no. literally what he's saying. He's like, I'm not trying to have fun. I'm trying to figure out who JJ Zacharyson's top 24 rookie drafts are. And I need to know email in six him, dude. minutes. You have his email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say for like, for boring, like when I've been in school and I'm, you know, taking my accounting class and I have to watch a video, that's two, three X speed easily. Cause I don't give a fuck. It's so boring, but I'm doing this for, for entertainment. So one, 1.25. I mean, oh, anything. Hayden. Hayden is two X. Oh God. I, unbelievable. I, like I couldn't be less shocked. I could not, I could not possibly, <laughs> if you said, okay, you got to name someone other than Friedman who, you know, who goes on two X. I like Hayden, Hayden would have been, Hayden would have been top three people, I would have guessed. 
what is the what is the demo? Is it spreadsheet? Is that the correlation? It's it's it, the, the correlation. The correlation is the more into spreadsheets you are, the more likely you are to be because you are you're viewing the exercise not as like art or as like uh, a collaborative discussion between podcaster and audience. It's it's all about mm. the information. So what is what is Leone doing then? Is he like writing a chat GPT script to like take out the most important points and then listen to that on like Leone five has a doctor put him under and just <laughs> inject into his brain. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna message Leone right now. What do we think? Do you listen to podcasts on two X? See Leone I bet, strikes me as I bet he's one X, man. I bet I bet I bet Leone is one X because he is gonna feel the same way I do, which is that it will break his brain too much to do it on because here's the thing. Well, he's also if I a started, runner, so he might be like kind of going, you know, he just wants to hear something like he might not be trying to download. He has time in which he can absorb. Exactly. And and he's all he's big into like the the Huberman, like life optimization, brain health type stuff like I am. And if you told Andrew Huberman you listen to his podcast on 2X, he'd be like, get the fuck out, dude. Like, what are you trying to do to yourself? <laughs> he watching the film. Well, that explains why you like Trey Sermon. <laughs> he actually looks the same in point You five thought it was on point five X like the rest of the film, and it was just his regular film. <laughs> it fooled you. Same for same for same for Deuce McBride, also, also in, in slow motion. Um Deuce McBride. Dwayne McBride. Dwayne, I mean same Deuce guy. is a good nickname, right? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 land the plan here. This is uh some good good podcast speed talk. We'll we'll be with you next week. Um I think the same three of us are uh, again next Friday. You can listen to us in uh 1.25, 1.5. <laughs> listen two. however you want. Yeah, however you want. We won't judge. Um I will listen to us. Dave, yeah. <laughs> Davis will judge you, but um, you're welcome here at ADP Chasing. Uh, it's been good stuff, guys. We will see you all next week.